Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the CEOs. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. And gentlemen, let's uh, let's dive right into it. The breaking news of the show, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the, the long-time Thibodeau nightmare is officially over. They have a new president of basketball operations. His name is Gerson Rosas. I believe we're pronouncing that correctly. And he spent the last almost two decades with the Houston Rockets. So if you're wondering whether the Wolves are going to shoot threes finally, I think it's safe to say the Wolves are going to start to shoot some more threes. The Rockets uh, are by far the most prolific three-point shooting team in the NBA. Matt Thomas, longtime friend, uh, former host on AM 1500, and is now the radio voice of the Houston Rockets. You can hear him on Sports Talk 790 in Houston. Um, a, thank you for joining us from an airport in the middle of the series. And B, what should we know about Gerson Rosas, my friend? Gerson Rosas is a Houston Cougar, first and foremost. You'll appreciate he is just <laughs> so ridiculously smart like yours truly. So Clearly. Um, you will love him for that. Secondly, you can't have Ryan Presley. I don't care what y'all ask for. He's yeah. ours forever and ever. Sorry about that, Twins fans. Yeah, three, and, three uh, your damn curveball, man. Not that uh, I know it. I know it. <laughs> and and number three, uh, you know, the Rockets do a pretty good job of kind of hiding responsibilities because they don't like a whole lot of poaching. But Curzon's been a guy who's been well recognized uh, as a great lieutenant for Daryl Morey, the general manager here. He's been involved with Team USA basketball evaluation. So I think you're going to get, as you alluded to, Mac uh, Phil, three uh, and D. Heavy, heavy, heavy analytics. If you've never had it before with the Wolves, you're about to get it right now. What was his role in that in that front office? Was he more on the personnel and scouting side, or was he more on the analytics and strategizing side of things? Uh, more scouting. When he and I would talk, and, and look, I didn't see him very much because he was always on the road. He was always chasing players, whether it was college basketball. You know, the Rockets have always felt like the international game was very important to them, so he was always bumping around from one place to the other. Uh, so that's what I would think would be his absolute strength. He likes to see the players in person. Uh, will he assemble a staff, I think, of analytics people? For sure. But frankly, even if you wouldn't hire Gerson, the hire would have probably been of somebody that had an analytical breakdown. I have never in my life seen a sport transform its general manager's role like in basketball in the last 10 or 15 years. I don't know if Daryl was the first, but clearly we were seeing everybody else in the league adapt that. But uh, very much Gerson is a guy that likes to see guys firsthand. So very personable, very friendly. Uh, the anti, what was the name, guy's name, David Kahn, that was way back in the day. I or mean, Tibbs. Just a complete, or Tibbs, just a complete 180. You will grow to really appreciate him. Appreciate him. He'll keep things very tight-lipped, uh, 
there will not be a lot of leakage of information about what's going on with the organization, my presumption is, but that's okay. The end result is about winning basketball games. Hey, Matt, why, the, the one thing that occurs to me as, as a potential odd thing, why 16 years there for Gerson? Mm. Well, you know, Judd, he was also, he got hired by the Mavericks a handful of years ago to be in a similar role, and I think he got the job and then got up there and realized that there was going to be somebody else that was going to be calling shots above him, and it just didn't work out very well. Um, I don't have an answer to that. I'm not privy to those conversations. I think it's also when you're in a good spot and the Rockets do spend money and do have resources in a particular area that other teams wouldn't. Um, it's, you know, it's pretty comfortable. Plus again, he's got his family here. I mentioned he went to the same school that I did. So sometimes it's hard to leave. I can tell you that from personal experience that it's hard to leave a comfort zone, but sometimes you have to do that to grow yourself as a professional. And I think with, you know, Daryl not going anywhere, got a new extension this past, uh, uh, off during the season, as a matter of fact, a couple months ago, he knew if he was going to run his own shop, it had to be somewhere besides Houston, Texas. So the Rockets are just this, and the Warriors too, are this fun combination of superstar caliber players and great, efficient systems, analytically driven systems. I think gone are the days where you can just roll the basketball out with a superstar or two in the NBA and you'll just automatically be in the conference finals. So as you look at what the Timberwolves have in Carl Anthony Towns, and you know, they've got some other interesting pieces like Robert Covington, the Andrew Wiggins contract is a disaster. But if Carl Anthony Towns mm-hmm. is your building block and you've got a smart, forward-thinking, analytically friendly front office, um, how much can just a better way of, of looking at the Rubik's Cube from a front office perspective raise the water level, Matt? Well, what will be talked about, guys, will be how much each player plays, where he shoots on the floor, at what point of the games will he get tired? At what point is he is he most efficient? You know, look, Carl Anthony Towns, a respectable three-point shooter for a big man, but are there spots on the floor where he is going to be more efficient than others? Uh, I'll just give you a very small example. In the Rockets, P.J. Tucker has learned, turned out to be a pretty decent three-point shooter after never really not having that as much of his repertoire. But he's not a good three-point shooter from uh, the left side or the right side. He is a baseline three-point shooter. So what do the Rockets do? They station him there. So that's what I think if you were to look at what he has right now, he's going to put guys in the best position and analytically base it on that. Now, you have to get veteran guys in there to buy it. So if Wiggins doesn't buy it, it's going to be a trouble spot. If Cat doesn't buy it, it's going to be a trouble spot. You have to find the good proper mix guys of NBA players that absolutely buy into all of this overwhelming math. And look, I got Chris Paul I'm covering every day and calling his games. I got James Harden that have been there, done that. Those guys embraced it. And so if you get your leaders to embrace it and buy into it and understand that at five minutes left to go in the first quarter, it's time for you to take a break, or we're not going to play you until the under seven in a fourth quarter, you have to trust it. And that's what the Rockets have done. That's what a lot of NBA teams have done is they have to trust what the numbers have. The seeing eye isn't cool, and the field of game, you can't measure that. You can't put that on a, on a, on a stat board. By and large, that's how the Rockets roll. That's how all these teams are going now, is that everything is organized and planned out, and there's very little room for interpretation. Having seen the the Rockets do what you just described and, and build that from the ground up, what do you think is, is a realistic timeline for, for Wolves fans to expect if this thing runs smoothly under Rosas when he gets here and, and takes over as team president? Uh, well, is Kevin Durant going to the Knicks? I mean, can we start with that? <laughs> <laughs> I can kind of personally tell you the last two days I've been fun to watch him. It's still wearing his Golden State uniform. I, you know, I, I don't know. There's so much power in the West. 
I don't think Denver guys is going away. I think Portland's built to stay. The Rockets certainly aren't going to go anywhere. Uh, Pop's about to resign in San Antonio. Uh, you know, what, what do you want to be? What you know, are you lucky to make the playoffs? You want to win a playoff series, or do you want to go with the big boys? And I think it's going to have to come down to to Gerson's ability to you know manage the salary cap and see what available is out there. My guess is Minnesota's like most NBA teams; you have to build the draft. So. I think the one thing you'll have, you'll want to appreciate is what he does when he assigns and, and puts together a scouting department, a player personnel, because you know this is the problem that Sacramento is going through. There's just very few cities that guys will say, "Yeah, I'm going to come play for." Look, you know, Dwight Howard didn't want to come here unless James Howard, uh, James Harden was here. Chris Paul didn't facilitate the trio of the Clippers until James Harden was here. So if you tell me, and I don't have the answers, you guys are. Will, is Carl Anthony Towns the kind of type of alpha dog that other guys are going to want to play for? And if the answer is not immediately yes, then you better well, damn well improve your team through the draft. It might take some time. How's that, Matt? Uh, going, going down the path that you just went with Phil's question, I'll come back with this. In the new NBA, with how things are constructed, and as you just said, you know, guys know where they're told to shoot from. Guys, guys basically are given a game plan to follow. How important is the coach from a schematic standpoint now? Uh, first of all, it's uh, they're half psychiatrists, half coaches. Uh, if they don't, if, the, if these players I just talked about don't buy into the metrics, yep. then you're, you're you're toast. But even with that being said, I mean, look, Mike D'Antoni is one of the greatest offensive minds in the NBA, and they, he can he's going to use metrics to his his ability when he can. But it's also building relationships. As I told you guys when I come on your show, I mean, it looked like Phipps hated every one of his players. So what does Mike D'Antoni spend half his time doing? <laughs> Trying to build relationships. So uh, I don't know what the future is at the coaching spot for the Wolves, if it's Ryan or whatever the case may be, but it's going to be relationship building because then once you do that, then you can say, hey, we've watched your last 20 games. We've watched when you run hot on, uh, you know, when you're running out of gas or we noticed that you shooting at the left elbow isn't nearly as proficient if you're shooting at the right elbow. So, I think Mike D'Antoni, being an old-school coach, running the plays, has a good balance, and I think that's what you need for a successful coach because anybody that doesn't use metrics in 2019 in any sport, especially the NBA, you're toast. Yeah. Uh, Matt Thomas, radio voice of the Rockets. You can also find him three hours a day from noon to 3 on Sports Talk 790. Before we say goodbye, I don't think the series is over. I know it's 2-0, but I don't think the series is over. What are your thoughts? Good. I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> you do? <laughs> no. What do you think? Are you kidding me? I think anybody I want to slay more than the Dragon that is the Golden State Warriors, but you know they're, they're really good. I, I want them. I want the Rockets to, to get in and get the series even to two apiece. They, Golden State guys felt vulnerable in that Clippers series, but then they've come out and won these two basketball games, and thank God I didn't spend three hours talking about officiating because the last two days of my show I did, so... Um, you know, James was really, really tough and fought through the terrible eye gash that he got from Draymond. You know, the Rockets had six players in double figures. The biggest problem in last night's game were two things. One, they turned the ball over a lot in the first quarter and kind of fell behind. And you did it to a team like Golden State. Good luck with that. And then they just didn't box out. And you let Golden State, who's an average rebounding team, get some offensive putbacks. And you're not going to give them a whole lot of second chance opportunities without them paying for it. And so the Rockets did. And we're sitting here at 0 2, and I got to be really loud on the microphone Saturday night for hopefully a, a game three Rockets victory. It seems like the Warriors, they, they toy with our emotions, and, and especially fans of teams like yours, the Houston Rockets, where, where they think the fan base, they believe that they have a chance in the series against this team because 
They almost knocked him off last year. I feel like the Warriors just to mess with us, give people hope, and then and then and then do what they did in the first two games of this series, and just remind yeah. everybody how damn good they are. Well, yeah, I mean they blew a thirty-one point lead at home to the Clippers. Guess what the rest of the NBA is doing? Oh, it's finally our chance, right? Yeah. And then no, and then they go and beat Golden. They beat the Clippers three times in Los Angeles. We actually flew to to San Francisco on Friday, not even knowing the end result. We we assumed it. Clint Capella's at the press conference the day before after we beat the Jazz in the first round, saying, "Yeah, I want Golden State." Easier said than done. I'm just telling you, I hate Draymond Green as a person, but he's a hell of a basketball player. <laughs> All those guys are superstars. If Andre Iguodala was doing his thing, they're tough. Doesn't mean the Rockets can't do it, but man, you just cannot have a stretch of five or six minutes where you are you know, 0 for 9 from 3, or you're turning the ball over four times in the first five possessions like they did last night, they will expose every one of your flaws. And so hopefully the Rockets can expose their flaws. And the one thing they haven't done a great job of so far in this series is two things. Hit the three, uh, like they have normally during the season, and they also have a terrible problem, problem turning the ball over. So maybe the Rockets will get some of that on Saturday in Houston. All right, we'll, uh, we'll talk some Gerson over hash browns at Keys in a few months when you come to town. Let me tell you, Gerson Rosas, you guys are going to be very, very happy. He's such an affable guy, good guy on the radio to talk to. You're going to be in a good spot. And I'm kind of curious because, you know, he has been a lieutenant for a very long period of time. It's certainly a different situation being a number two as compared to being a number one for NBA team. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be the anti-Tom Thibodeau, I think, is what we're going to find here. Matt Thomas. He won't swear as much as he did on my broadcast. <laughs> I can tell you that <laughs> Matt Thomas, longtime friend of 1500. We'll, uh, we'll catch up soon, man. Thanks for the insight. Ghost Rose. All right. Oh, God. Wow. Bye, Matt. <laughs> wow. I had to throw that in there, huh? Yeah, really? He does Astros pre and post game, too, by the way, of course. That poor guy. Um, so um, we're going to get Danny Cunningham in here soon, too. When he, I think he's going to do a Raised by Wolves with Manny Hill. So That's you're going to have yes. tons of stuff on Emergency Raised by Wolves. Yes. Good. A yes. Raised by Wolves. Um, there is, before we go to break here, on ESPN.com, mm-hmm. there is... Some, there's some quotes. Adrian Wojnarowski has filled out a story with some quotes from Daryl Morey, actually, about uh, Gerson. He said, Gerson has been an unbelievable person to work with, Morey told ESPN. He's been way overqualified for his job for a while here. He's more than earned his shot, although I wish he would have gone to the Eastern Conference. We're going to have an extremely tough competitor in the West. Well, And, and that's true, though, because of what Matt said. The Rockets probably, like lots of teams now, Probably do a ton of stuff that's not out there. Yes. But guess who comes with their playbook? Correct. In the same conference. The quote. So con- he's not kidding. The quote continues Minnesota, this is from Daryl Morey. Minnesota is going to find how forward thinking, how hardworking, and how talented he is at putting together a winning team. How about that? I mean, you like that, but that's what they're going to say when somebody off their staff gets hired, right? I don't he, put a, I put a lot of stock into people saying what they should say. Yeah, but he could have or what said people expect them to say. No, but but, but he's he probably could, concerned. He could have just said, "Oh, I really love working with Gerson," and but he went above and beyond and said he's been way overqualified for his job for a while here. And I just think that's interesting. Gerson was the. It looks like he spent uh, to Matt's point three months as GM of the Dallas Mavericks back in 2013. So he did leave, and then saw that that was dysfunctional and left. Maybe that's foreshadowing in two thousand. Yeah. Well, at least he's got experience working for a dysfunctional franchise. <laughs> right, yeah. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Plenty more on the Wolves' hiring of Gerson Rosas for their new president of basketball operations. 
Thank you, Jonathan Mackey and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. If you haven't heard the breaking news, the Rockets today named the Rockets. The Wolves today named their new president of basketball operations. It's Gerson Rosas. I think I'm saying that right. They bring him over from the Houston Rockets. And uh, shortly, there will be a Raised by Wolves emergency podcast up at scorenorth.com and on the Score North mobile app, which is available in the Apple and Google Play stores. Check it out. Subscribe to your favorite podcast like raised by wolves which is hosted by our uh, wolves reporter danny cunningham who joins us now with his thoughts on the hiring danny how are you guys good how are you just what? lovely funny how i saw, i was in the hallway like an hour ago asking doogie mm-hmm. so when when's this thing going to come to an end he said what he had been hearing is they were going to cut from four to two and then have the two finalists go face to face with glenn taylor but apparently, according to John Krasinski's reporting, Gerson was so great in both of the last two discussions, it was just game over, Danny. Well, and I, I was actually listening to Doogie's podcast as the news broke. Like I had just gotten <laughs> past the point in his podcast where he said that he had heard they were going to cut the field from four down to two, and then obviously that, that news broke today, but obviously he did really well in that interview process, and I think this is a good hire. On the surface, it's something that... Looks really good, and time will tell. It could be proven wrong, and this could be a nightmare. We don't know. We'll find out in three years. But right now, it looks like a good hire. He's someone that has been part of a franchise that's been very innovative. They've been very analytically at the forefront of analytics in basketball. That's where they've been awesome. And they've done really well in trades. We kind of forget that they that's how they acquired James Harden. That's how they acquired Chris Paul. They built their team, their team both through developing guys like Clint Capella, finding a guy like Daniel House, but also they traded for... James Harden and Chris Paul both. How much do we think uh, th- that Gerson ha- had to do with frontline things, Danny? Al- also, like those trades, like because th- that's the that's the thing about hiring a second in command. They can know a lot, and they can come off as impressive. But until they're in that chair, you don't know. What's your guess about how key of role he potentially played behind, behind the scenes in things like the Harden trade and acquiring talent? Everything that I've seen points to him being the guy that Daryl Morey would go to, that he was Daryl Morey's right-hand guy. Yes, he was his number two, but he was also pretty instrumental in acquiring some of those guys. And he's been with Houston for the better part of 16 years. He had like a three-month stint in Dallas where he was the GM there, but it wasn't everything he thought it was going to be. So he resigned and went back to Houston. So I do think that he's had a lot to do with decision-making that's been done in Houston with the Rockets. But it is a difficult thing, like you say, to evaluate executives because we're not inside those rooms. We're not taking part in those conversations. We don't know who's exactly saying what, and we don't know what side of the discussions he's been on for all of these decisions. But we do know that he's been part of them. Isn't it fascinating? The rock, We think, oh, there's like teams shoot threes in the NBA, and it's the three-point revolution. And it is, but there's the three-point revolution, and then there's the Rockets. Yes. The Rockets shot 600 more threes than the next closest team in the NBA this year. They ride or die with Mike D'Antoni fun ball, and, uh, and it's an organizational philosophy. So, so, Danny, I think sort of a two-part question. I mean, Robert Covington is about the only non-big man who can shoot threes on this team right now based on the current roster construction. Do you think we're headed for just a complete dismantling and reshuffling of the roster as soon as this offseason? Or what is the untangling process as you start to blend it with what Rosas's philosophies might be coming in? They're going to look different 
than they did this past season, but I wouldn't count on them looking incredibly drastically different right away. Because if you look at some of the teams that Houston has had, and yeah, they've been on the analytical forefront on a lot of these things, but also remember they had Dwight Howard not too long ago. Like they were not always this team that just bombed away from threes. They're going to build a system that's going to fit the roster. It's going to be analytically smart, but if that doesn't mean shooting 600 more threes than everyone else in the NBA, then they're not going to do that. They're going to create something that's going to be smart for what they have. They're going to build a system around the personnel that they have to work with because you you can only mold with what you have. You can't go out and grab pieces, and especially with the position the Wolves are in, where they're in salary cap hell for the most part, they can't go out and just build a, a team from scratch. So he's going to have to build a system based on what he has now. Now, down the line, it could absolutely look drastically different but as of right now i wouldn't expect humongous trait changes from right now to next year but give it two or three years and i bet the wolves look incredibly different you talked before about the fact that the rockets weren't built through free agency or or through the draft that it was it was mostly trades is he adept enough do you think he'll be adept enough at making trades to improve the team that he can get somebody to take andrew wiggins off their hands and if not then do you see a path to relevance without getting rid of that contract? So there is a the path. The obvious answer to the path to relevance part is Andrew Wiggins becomes good. Like that's okay. the obvious answer to that one. Right. I don't know if he will. Obviously, no one does right now. And everything that has happened in the past would tell you that he probably won't. Getting rid of that contract would help them a lot. But you also have to think, okay, if they get rid of that contract, they're going to have to take on an equal amount of money. How's that money going to be split up? And that's where you really do have to continue to be creative. He, The trades that they made were really creative ones, too, which the, the Chris Paul one was incredibly complex. The Paul opted into his contract with the Clippers, and then the Rockets traded Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, Montrez Harrell, Darian Hillier, DeAndre Liggins, and other pieces, they just acquired as many non-guaranteed contracts as they could to send to L.A. to make this work money-wise. It was one of the most fascinating trades that we've seen in recent NBA history. So, Mr. Basketball. With, with, Hello, Judd. With all of the, hey, with all of the hoops. Mr. Basketball. With, how, are you, Mr. Sorry, how are you, Mr. Hockey? With all of the hoops, it, what I like now, non-factor. But what you like is important. So with all of the hoops that you watch and mm-hmm. all of the games, the and NBA, basically all of the time, we know that this guy and his team like to shoot threes. I, I get that, okay? Lots of them. But when you watch these progressive teams, what subtle things do you see that they do that the Wolves don't sniff right now? What what will he bring in as far as changing things that that we might not even think right now are a big deal, but you deem to be a big deal and the successful teams do beyond the three-point shot. If you look at the way that role players operate on successful teams, they all know their place and they all operate really well. It's called, quote-unquote, starring in your role because not everyone in the NBA is a star, but you can star in your role. Draymond Green is not a star player, but he stars to the absolute maximum ability in his role. Robert Covington is a perfect example of this. He'll never be a star player, but when he's on the floor for the Wolves, he starred in his role. And you need to be able to get guys to buy into the type of system and buy into their role and be absolute stars in it. That's where you see teams like like the Rockets right now, for example. P.J. Tucker is a guy that stars in his role. Clint Capella stars in his role. They're not superstars, but they give you the absolute maximum thing that they can give you for their role. And it's a very outlined and organized system where their roles are. They know what their roles are, and they know what they have to do, and they do it to the best of their ability. And that's something that the the Wolves haven't had enough of. Yeah, I mean, I would... 
I think the other thing I might add to that is not not only do you find star, a star for a role, but you know what roles work in today's NBA, right? Like the Los Angeles Lakers, it was such a first guess when they brought in Magic Johnson and they converted an agent to a GM and said, all right, we're going to get tougher. Well, the Warriors are, are, are three-point shooting and the Rockets shoot threes and we're going to get tough. We're going to bring in... Bunch of gritty big men like JaVale McGee and uh, Rajon Rondo. It's like, no, that's good luck. Cool, you're tough, and you got beat by 20 because you can't shoot. And, like, the Wolves have done a better job of becoming a better shooting team. If you look at, uh, we were we were actually just talking about the 2004, a few days ago for a podcast, the 2004 Western Conference semifinals between the Kings and the, and the Timberwolves. Well, spoiler alert. I know. A project to be released soon. And... The Timberwolves were averaging that season, and that's the best team in the Western Conference. The Timberwolves were averaging 10 three-pointers per game in the regular season. And then in that series, it was like 16 or 17 per game. And Doug Collins on the broadcast was chiding them like, oh, they're out of their comfort zone. They can't. They shouldn't shoot so many threes. Okay, the Wolves were 27th in the NBA in three-point attempts this year per game, and it was 28. So from a Wolves perspective, coming out of sort of the Flip Saunders offense from a few years ago and the Sam Mitchell offense, the Wolves think, oh, we're... We're evolving with the times, and we're shooting some more threes. Nah, dude. Like the Rockets are shooting sixteen more threes than you per game. You're losing the math equation. Until ideally, now you brought in a math professor to run your organization. So we'll find out. And I do think that Ryan Saunders, if he does stay on as the full time head coach, which I do expect to happen, I think that he is much more analytically plugged in than Tom Thibodeau ever was, or even than his dad was, or other guys that we've seen at the helm of this organization. I think he's more apt to playing the new school NBA basketball, and I think that Rosas will really complement him in in terms of that because Saunders will want to run an analytically-based system, and that's exactly what Rosas is going to want to implement as well. When you say that Ryan Saunders, you you expect him to be the next coach. I'm assuming since the Rosas news was just announced today and we don't know how he feels about Ryan Saunders or anybody else, that you're saying that he won't have much of a choice in that, that that will basically be imposed upon him, who his head coach and maybe GM will be? He'll have input, but I still think it will be Ryan. And I do think Ryan is qualified. Oh, I'm not saying he's not. I'm just I'm just asking you if you think this is coming from on high and he doesn't really have the final say in terms of who his general manager and coach will be. I think the general manager is a very different discussion than okay. the coach. I think that there is a much greater chance there's a new general manager than a new head coach. I think that Saunders proved to Glenn Taylor that he can do this, and obviously his family name has something to do with that too. Like, you'd be fooling yourself if you didn't think that was the case. And Ryan's a great dude. He connects with the players. Everyone in that locker room loves Ryan, and they loved to play for him down the stretch. That was part of the reason why the Wolves didn't do a great job of tanking, because these those guys cared about Ryan too much to lose on purpose. And, and not that players ever lose on purpose, but you get what I'm saying. I think the GM thing's entirely different. I... I I'm probably 50-50 right now on if Layden returns, and if he does return, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets put into a different role within the organization because the Wolves do have to pay him $4 million over the next right. two years. So rather than paying him to do nothing, they can pay him to do something else. It just won't be the general manager. Well, John Folke just left for the uh, Charlotte Hornets. Does he want to call a little pregame uh, call radio action? I think yeah. maybe that could be a role for him. So what is the – and also – in the, in what the wolves are going to do here, and approach wise, Danny, what is the um, the role and or shift of in, uh, of importance 
for the coach as well. Because this does, it seems like sports, and that's probably true of baseball, especially as well. You know, it used to be, I get the talent, you coach, mm-hmm. and, and it's your system. And once the once the game first pitch or the tip goes, it's your it's your game ball game etc. But how's that changed now too? Because it does seem in those sports like there is a lot of give and take and ideas, and and beyond a game plan for how to a- approach tonight's opponent. Now it's almost like no, there's a game plan on a nightly basis for players' roles that is predetermined and is not really supposed to change. I thought what Matt Thomas said with you guys last segment really rang true, where coaches are now half coaches and half sports psychiatrists mm-hmm. because you have to build relationships with these players. And that's the one thing Ryan can absolutely improve in terms of his in-game adjustments and his game planning. And a lot of that had to be done on the fly because, one, he didn't have a training camp, two, he didn't have a full staff because he was a former assistant that was really never replaced. And when that's the scenario, it's tough to do. But in terms of the other half of that, Ryan's got a great connection with all those guys in the locker room. They all loved him. No one ever said a, a bad word about him, even when things weren't going well. Uh, you heard the the most important employee of the franchise, Carl Anthony Towns, absolutely give his – he vouched for him as hard as he could towards the end of the season. He said that he wanted Ryan to be the coach on the record. Like, that's not something that doesn't – that that doesn't go unnoticed. That matters. And – for that to be the case, I think it would be kind of difficult to move on from Ryan at this point. Yeah. I, I don't think it'd be the right move. Yeah. So um, if you're just joining us, if you're just hopping in your car, thank you for listening to Score North. And you can find us, however you're listening now, if it's not the app, we highly recommend you download our Score North mobile app, available in both the Apple store and also the Google Play store. And the voice that's joining us here is Danny Cunningham from the Raised by Wolves show slash podcast and from, uh, from scorenorth.com. And so... I think the consensus here is as bad as things were at the end of the Tom Thibodeau era for the Wolves to go into this process and not do the search firm thing and identify some really smart candidates by all accounts, even the finalists that didn't get hired from Trajan Langdon to Calvin Booth. Uh, Chauncey Billups doesn't have the experience, but is a name that's been kicked around with the Cleveland Cavs before. I think on paper, this feels like a home run hire and a home run process. And it's, it's a rare occasion when the Wolves get something right that isn't Flip Saunders. So we'll see. As Danny said earlier, it might take three years before we figure this thing out. But if the Wolves are looking to get with the times in the NBA and build something sustainable around Carl Anthony Towns. It's a good first step. It feels like a good first step. So any final thoughts from you, Danny, on this uh, breaking news? No, I, I think that what you said rings true. Where it, We're not going to know tomorrow. We're not going to know a year from tomorrow if this was the right move. We can find out in a couple of years, and it could be a terrible move. It absolutely that could be the case. But right now, I like it on the surface. I think that them hiring someone away from a really smart, analytically driven organization is the right idea for an organization that has really been stuck in the dark for far too long. Yeah. Uh, if you want to follow Danny on Twitter, it's just at real Danny Cunningham or real D Cunningham. There you real go. Danny, real D Cunningham. Real D Cunningham. Was there another we're, we're, D Cunningham? Danny doesn't fit in there. Actually, um, there was another Danny Cunningham that I went to high school with. So yes. Oh, okay. You had two Danny Cunninghams in high school. Yes. Same baseball team. And he is on Twitter, so you have to go with the real D. Cunningham? Or? He is on Twitter somewhere. I don't follow him, but he's on Twitter somewhere. No, there's an at Danny Cunningham. In fact, we've sent a couple notes to our uh, to our higher-up VIP people at Twitter to try and get Danny. So 
Let's get it trending. Let's get let's get at Danny Cunningham to give up his account. Yeah, okay. The, no, the account's suspended. Like no one has it, but I can't have it for it's some suspended. reason. Suspended. Yeah, and it sounds to me like you did something and are not yeah, fessing that, up to it now. I think <laughs> no. that's your burner account. I think that's you too many on drinks here. one night in Madison. I would never know. No, it, it not was, you. It was an account that I think someone didn't use for like yeah. seven years and got eliminated, but I can't have it for some reason, and it bothers me. <laughs> yeah. Danny's going to lose sleep over this every night until it happens. I haven't slept in weeks, Phil. Yeah. You don't sleep. You just wait for, yeah. for NBA. Breaking yes, news. exactly. Danny Cunningham. All right, you guys are going to, you and Manny are going to hop in and do a race by wolves so people can find a little bit later on. Correct. We'll be doing that uh, in two minutes. We'll start. Awesome. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Uh, let's talk with Pat about this. I wonder if Pat has left any movies early today yet. There's <laughs> always time. Plenty of time to do that. Yep. Right after we talk about the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities, that would be Luther Brookdale Toyota 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, where uh, you can find my friends in the service department, Steve and Dwayne and Jeremy and everybody else who's been helping my family for 30 plus years. My mom originally took uh, a mid-1980s Celica into Luther Toyota when it was the old Toyota City in Brooklyn Center. They upgraded facilities in about 2011 or 12, and it would be like if the... Tampa Bay Rays with their well-run organization and uh, and smart people finally got a real stadium and uh, and some real facilities. I mean, that's that's what happened a few years ago to use a sports analogy. And uh, it's like the minute you drive into the garage area, the minute you walk into the showroom area, you find out the difference, not only just in physical space, but in the people that you're going to interact with. Find out more at LutherBrookdaleToyota.com or stop in. They're open until 9 o'clock tonight if you want to test drive one of those brand new 2019 RAV4s. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North. Hey, it's easy to listen to Score North on 1500 on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, Judd. Awesome. Alexa, fire a coach. No, 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 no. It's Alexa, trade everybody. Judd, no. It's Alexa, open Score North. Alexa, more hockey. I want more hockey. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, and you can listen to Score North on 1500. Alexa, open Score North. Score North. Minnesota sports, anytime, anywhere. This is fantastic. Okay. Thank you, Jonathan. TCL Broadcast Studios. Time to wrap with Royce and Patrick. I'm sure you've heard the news. Gerson Rosas has been hired as the president of basketball ops for the Wolves. Your initial thoughts, because mine are, mine are, it sounds good, but when it comes to the Wolves, I'll also <laughs> believe it when I see it. You stole my, uh, you stole my angle, which I've been espousing here for about 10 years now. Which is, even when the Timberwolves do the right thing, it's the wrong thing. Yeah. So, uh, that's, uh, so I, I'm, I say this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> I don't know anything about him. I don't know anything about him. I know that he worked for Mark Cuban for a week and said, no, thank you, and came home, right? Uh, he was, uh, but he was named their general manager and, uh, and he lasted a week or 10 days or something and said, ah, I'm going to go someplace else. But uh, I don't know. It, it is kind of interesting that uh, this is uh, this is outside of the uh, the usual circle of uh, love here, right? That uh, yes. is there any hope that is there any chance that this means that uh, Ryan Saunders is not going to be the coach? I, I, well, because, uh, yeah, I think speculation is that Ryan uh, is going to stick around, but I don't know. It's I, I wouldn't be shocked if he decides to clean house completely, but I think my guess is Pat Glenn Taylor probably had one of those heart to hearts, like give my guy a chance for a year just to see yeah. because he's Flip's yeah. son, right? 
and uh, supposedly Layden and uh, and Ryan Saunders sat in on these interviews, or some of it. The, maybe not the whole interviews, but some of them. They met all these guys that they brought in. To who'd they bring in? This guy and Phillips, and do we know? I guess Calvin Booth and, and Trajan uh, Langdon from the Nets. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's uh, you know, I think it's probably you know seriously, it's probably a good deal. Uh, now uh, he, he's going to find out one thing. He comes out of Houston. This may not be a team that's prepared to shoot forty threes. <laughs> you might have to. Uh, you might have to adjust. Uh, watch your team adjust to the style of throwing them up from all over the place, since they have no shooters. So uh, that might uh, that might be a little bit of an adjustment for uh, Mister Rosas. But that was going to be the case for whoever came in here. That's just where the NBA is headed, right, Pat? I, I, you can't succeed in this league without shooting the three, can you? Uh, well, but you can't succeed in the league just merely shooting the three. You have to actually make some of That's them. That's true. That's key the, component. Uh, you know, shooting 43s is not real good when you're going to make seven of them, with uh, the as you would with this collection of Timberwolves right now. They... Uh, Obviously, uh, if they're going to play that uh, type of basketball, they got to get. But one thing is, uh, he comes from Houston, so they should be pretty good at pitching at the referee. <laughs> That's true. It's going to be great. That's going to be the talent. They can whine. They can whine like crazy. Apparently, if that's that's what he wants, some uh, serious whiners. Actually, maybe that's the strategy for Andrew Wiggins. If he can learn to kick his legs out when he shoots those twenty footers, <laughs> he can at least get to the free throw line and, and make and two they, out of three. And they might say. And they might then start saying, "Boy, a guy missed it that bad. He must have gotten fouled." I guess we'll uh, call. I guess we'll call that. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, it, it is interesting. I think it's an indication that uh, the uh, team president, Ethan Casson, has got a lot of influence with this team. He got tips fired. Uh, in the middle of the season, and uh, I think he probably had quite a bit of influence on this, too, didn't he? Uh, he ran the whole thing. He, he ran all of this basically single-handedly yeah. from what I heard behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. and uh, this was uh, in this kind of uh, let's start all over again and uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, take an outside look at this thing. Where did they hire him from? Was he in Houston? Casson, the assistant Sacramento, right? He he was Sacramento. here. He was here originally for like a, okay. as a as an office boy of some type. Left, I yeah. think, and and then came back. And Glenn loves the guy. Yeah, so. he, I, know, I know he came back. Yeah, he's uh, he's the uh, he's one of the geniuses. However, who said, "Hey, we made the playoffs. Let's really goose up the ticket prices." <laughs> and we saw the results of that uh, during last season's. Uh, uh, disastrous year at the gate is more disastrous at the gate than it was on the court. So. But but you know what, Pat? Eventually, one would f- figure with how odds work. Eventually, you got to get it right. Like something's finally going to yeah. go right for these guys. Mm. Well, that's you don't think I like that? That's what my wife. This is what my wife thought when she married me. <laughs> you know. What do you she mean? You got a place in Florida? Right. She thought she'd get it right <laughs> this time, and now she's over too. <laughs> <laughs> you make you make enough money. You're just fine. You got a place in Florida. You're not you're not yeah, that but, important. What yeah, you, but you don't know. You don't know about the uh, flaws that are pointed out to me on a daily basis. <laughs> well, that's unfair. That's very unfair. None of them, none of them I can argue with. That's you know, constructive criticism, said, Pat. Said, next time she gets married, she's going to marry a handyman. <laughs> well, yeah, that's probably instead true of Dawn, too. Who, uh, 
instead of somebody who, uh, who she has to lead around by the nose to try to get to do something. I know what our next you know. athlete challenge is. Let's put a bunch of sports media guys in a room and see who can change a light bulb on their own. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know what, what? Yeah, what? what? One of the terrible changes in America is the fancy light bulb, right? And, you know, you got they got these ones that they're, you know, rescinded into the ceiling and stuff like that. Let's see, there should be a law that you can only have those screw-in ones, you know, the little screw-in ones that are all the same. Then you can do it. Uh, I agree with I Pat. Mean, in fact, made... if I'm one of the 43 Democrats running for president, I'm campaigning on that alone. <laughs> old school light bulbs, <laughs> the return of old light bulbs. We basically, we basically get down to running around in the dark before we can get around, and then we got to call an electrician to change the light bulb. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Uh, it's a very, uh, very uh, disgusting thing. I'm at the uh, ballpark tonight and was uh, getting ready to... Uh, to uh, you know, chronicle uh, the, the uh, fighting twinks, and then this thing came up. But I was having this thought: when we left Florida, was there anything that there were greater concerns about than the uh, bullpen? But uh, the back end of it doesn't look bad right now. Taylor Rogers is a star, and Parker's got decent stuff, and Hildenberger's—you uh, know—you mix it with Rogers, and they're getting two really different pitchers. And, uh, you know, and I, they they still have hopes for Trevor May. I, I think the bullpen's less of a problem than the rotation right now. Mejia last anyway. Mejia last night, Patrick, well, though. He don't a, count. He don't he's count. a different story. Yeah, but he doesn't count. He's a guy. I, I don't worry about the guys you're pitching when the game is lost, you know. Yeah. I You know, like uh, Mejia and uh, Ryan Harper and uh, – Romero might be able to give you some help, and McGill, but they got three guys that I don't worry about. In an eight-person bullpen, you're going to have three guys that take the innings, suck up the innings when you're getting beat. But uh, I got no hopes for Mejia. They find Baldelli almost uh, came almost edged up to the cliff of actually criticizing Mejia before the game today, but he didn't quite. Whoa! What do he say? Well, he said we're going to talk to him and see if he's okay and what's you know what's wrong with him and you know if he's you know worried about something. No, no, he's fat and he stinks. That's (laughs) (laughs) and he hasn't thrown up strikes. That's uh, that's that's the problem. From what I gather, the only reason he's still on the team is he's out of options. I'd risk I'd risk losing Mejia if I if I'm the Twins. I'm not I'm not too worried about if somebody claims him on waivers. Would you be? I think you'll see that here in the next, you know, they might run him out there once more, but yeah, I think you'll see that as soon as the quirky little uh, lefty uh, Gabriel Moya is ready to come up, I think that might happen. I I, I get the impression just today from the vibe today that he's going to get about one more chance. And if he's, but the trouble is, last time he was really terrible, and the next time out he got him out. So he said, "Oh, okay." But they, I don't know why they're so reluctant to cut the cord with the guy. What, as I say, okay, if he becomes everything you hope he can be, what is that? A seventh starter? You know what? Yes. What is he? What he's never going to be in your rotation. So what? What? What is his upside? It's not worth the anguish you you put these three years in trying to get something out of him. Hey, what's your guess about what's wrong with Nelson Cruz? Right now? Yeah. 
he just in one of his. That's how he hits. He, he's in heat for two weeks, and then he's cool for two weeks. Wait, something's wrong with Nelson Cruz? You didn't see him last night? Yeah, he was flinching, and he's he's his batting stance. He holds the bat. He left a big gap there. It's like oh, he, like he might have a hand. It's injury like or he hurt his okay. hand when he got hit by a pitch early in the season. It something doesn't look right. And Rocco uh, said it's yeah, a maintenance thing. Yeah, I heard him talking about that, but he's uh, well. The other, you know, the other thing is that you know my scouting report on him is there'll be two weeks when you'll say release him, and then the next two weeks you say this guy's Hall of Famer. So anyway, yeah. I mean, if you would have told me, now hopefully he doesn't have a like a broken hand or something, but if you would have told me he has a one thousand OPS almost and five homers, fifteen RBIs after a month, I'd say all right. Yeah. In fact, they're like yeah, ESPN showing the game tonight. They're doing a Nelson Cruz home run montage on TV right now yeah. as we speak. Yeah. All right. Hey, if Who's you run into if you run into Rick Sutcliffe, uh, compliment him on his scarf at Target Field. Oh, is he wearing the scarf? It's, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we get the Wednesday crew, man. They don't do much for me. So <laughs> just go tell him that. Just barge into the broadcast booth. So you guys just aren't tell that good. Nice scarf, and you don't do much for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't subscribe to cable because of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, all right. I'll see you out there. Well, any, anywho, hey, afternoon game tomorrow. Is it going to warm up, or we going to have a decent weather? Who knows? Right, let's no, go. Here. Who knows? Okay. You've been calling it for, right. for get warm for two weeks. It gets worse every day. They could put a roof on it. Yeah. Stop! <laughs> Stop see it! See you, Pat. Bye. Uh, bye. Uh, it's wrapping with Royce. Uh, nah, I guess the cruises though. He, he was holding the bat. He, he left a very conspicuous gap. Okay. In, in his approach last night, and and they were speculating that something's wrong. And then in post game, Rocco said it's a maintenance. He basically because he won't tell you what's wrong, but he did not dismiss that there's something wrong. I was uh, I got home. I don't know halfway through the game, and flipped it on. Saw it was eleven to nothing. And it turned right it back off. off. Yeah. yeah. Went right so to basketball. Yeah. Yep, went right over to the uh, Warriors-Rockets pregame. During the Twins show today, uh, Judge showed me his scorebook. He's, he was at home keeping score for the, the Twins game. So I do the Twins show yeah, today. That's it's, Judd. It's odd to me that people keep score at home to begin so with. So you always thought when like an announcer says, if you're too. keeping score at home, that he's just joking. Right. He's not. Okay. But, Judd's keeping score But okay, at home. he keeps score at home. Okay. He's, and I actually respect that because I'm a baseball nut, but not to that. Even I'm not to that degree. But I said, if I was keeping score at home... It would have stopped after like the fifth inning, and there would just be a note at the bottom that says "Switch to Warriors Rockets." <laughs> Wait, <laughs> did you keep score of the entire, the entire yeah, game? the whole game? Yeah. Why? You see, the difference is I thrive on watching failure. <laughs> I sit, I is sit it at to home. Make you feel better about yourself. I sit at home. I keep score and crochet. Yeah, it's perfect. And crochet. I'm just kidding. Okay, about that. all right. <laughs> But I mean, it sounds like something someone who keeps score at home would do, right? I wouldn't be mad at you. Crochet, crochet. little crocheting. Men, men can crochet. I could knit you a sweater. That'd be great. I made you a sandwich. You're saying, oh, by the way, they were. Yeah, we out didn't really of give world. a review of my sandwich. Can we talk about how great I am? I can tell you it was fantastic. <laughs> the, the next episode of Rami's Reviews, uh, which is, I think, being edited today. Rami's Recipes. Rami's, yeah. well, both. <laughs> yes. It's a little of both. So I sent him the, he has the video. I will put the recipe into words and get that to him. And we should have Rami's, the next Rami's Recipe, which is the La Tortuga Torta 2.0. Because uh, I vastly improved on what they were doing out of Target did. Field. It should be up uh, Thursday or Friday if you want to. I didn't have it. 1.0, but I don't know if I need it after you don't. what made love to you, my insides. You that don't. Was, uh, you don't. I have one word for you scrumptious. Thank you. It was very good. Appreciate it. Yeah, there's a new love in my life. Matthew Sorry, Collar dear. called me a genius, which is something Matthew <laughs> Collar has never called me in particular. And don't worry, he, he won't again. So. <laughs> yeah, Savor it. All right, Mackie and Jeb with Rami. We'll see you guys tomorrow.
Paul Gad, um, I'll talk to you later. Bye.